0: Welcome everybody to a new episode of Roots. I am back with the two best dudes. I need to stop starting on my podcast with the best dude, with the best dudes, because there can't be more than one favorite. Who's the best? I'm not going to answer that (laughs) question. We have to fight it out. This is a Jacob situation. I don't want to get pulled into a favoritism battle. (laughs) Um, But yes, this is a new episode of Roots. I have with me Emerson Collins and Austin Fry. How are you guys? Doing
1: amazing. Doing great. Thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely. And we are chilling again in the guest room. There have been a couple renovations, a couple extra sound panels, again, like we said last time, um, trying to build an image of this guest room so we can get an artist rendering from one of our fans at some point. Just mm-hmm. want to say that that's a need, and you should supply that need. Uh, today, uh, Austin is going to be leading us in a discussion. I'm going to kick it to you, Austin. What are we talking about today? Great. Great. I am going to
2: dive right in. We are basically just inviting you guys into our co- constant conversation, yeah. which is what kind of church does our generation need or what kind of church do we are we really even looking for? Uh, we live in Colorado Springs and there are so many churches. I heard once that Colorado Springs has like the most churches per capita
0: in the city. It's a lot of them. I don't know if I would say... I haven't. I haven't confirmed that stat. It's funny because I moved from Lynchburg, Virginia, mm. which said the same thing. Maybe it was because it was a college town. I don't know.
2: We'll right. have to
0: do a stat check on that. Who knows? The we'll point see. is, is that there really is a lot.
2: There are a chock ton of churches <laughs> in Colorado Springs, and so there's a lot of options. There's a kind of a, a bit of a church hopping culture. But hmm. I, I noticed that there's a lot of conversation among pastors and even just parents of what what is going to reach Gen Z or what's going to reach this generation. Uh, And I hope that this conversation is really encouraging, especially to a lot of pastors. Um, Yeah, we're really just inviting you guys into that conversation. Really, the summary is what I'm looking for. Well, I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of a background. I am 25 years old. I was born in 1997. And so I'm technically zillennial or Gen Z millennial, depending on who, depending on who you ask. I'm the same.
0: Yeah. 1998. Technically, I think I'm Gen Z officially. Oh,
2: so I'm the oldie of the group. That's funny. Okay. Well, anyways, so we, we fit that demographic of people where it's like the church doesn't seem to know what to deal with because we've all talked about this before. We really, in short, when a church that is obsessed with Jesus, like in love with Jesus and Authentically devoted to Scripture, mm-hmm. and a church that really just looks at Scripture and says, "This is what we want to be. This is this is what God asked for. So we're going to do our best out of the fear of the Lord to really pursue. What does this look like? What does this look like in our culture? What does this look, this look like in our communities? Let's let's go to Scripture first. And um, before we really dive in, I just want to say there there's so much grace from the Lord, I'm sure, for people who just have really the best intentions, who are giving their lives to serve the Lord by, you know, starting a church or devoting their lives to ministry and doing the best that they can with their own ideas. And so, there's there's lots of churches that are kind of doing, oh, here's what I think a church should be like, and they're going after that. And I just want to honor the good intention there while also bringing up And quoting a really great Francis Chan analogy, he said something like, if you go into a restaurant and you order a steak, a steak with French fries, and then uh, they bring out veal parmesan, and you taste it, and you're like, this tastes really great. But at the same time, that's not what we asked Mm. for. Mm. And I don't think we we don't want to be the kind of church— that gives God back something that he didn't ask for if he specifically asked for something. Yeah, And that's really been kind of my heart of, of let's look at Scripture. Uh, and if I'm thinking about possibly church planning, or if I'm just thinking about what church I want to go to, I want to go to a
0: church that looks at Scripture that way. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Alex. And, and really, like— he does that for our best good, too. Mm-hmm. He he asks for church government and church participation to look a certain way, because he knows it's not only for his best glory, but our best good, too. And I think, especially in American culture, this is talked about so much, but like the numbers game of like, how can we get X amount of mm-hmm. people through the door, X amount of people saved per Sunday? How can we get this? How can we get that? Uh, when in reality, like, Paul Washer has a quote. <laughs> I swear that's going to be the tagline of this podcast in like three months. <laughs> but Paul Washer has a quote where it's, he's he's talking about how if a church implements carnal means, uh, you will receive carnal congregants. Mm. And what I what I think he means is I don't I don't ever use the word carnal, but basically if you're selling the veal and parmesan, something that maybe tastes good but isn't what the biblical model for church is, mm-hmm. or the biblical Jesus is. You're going to get people that love veal and Parmesan. You're going, to get some, you're going to get people that may not be seeking Christ. You may get a lot of people. You may get a lot of people that say they are committing to Christ, quote unquote, whatever that means, depending on what Christ you're preaching, depending on what church you're running, they could not be saved, you mm-hmm. know, and they couldn't even, it couldn't even be a healthy church model.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you mentioned the kind of the pastor's end of it, Austin, because that's so important that we are loyal and and faithful to God in just preaching the gospel. Quite simply, that is what you're tasked to do as Mm -hmm. a pastor is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I think we see so many examples from pastors of old who are simply faithful to proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And sure enough, that life was brought about. And like you said, Alex, it's not a numbers game. It's all about just faithful ministry. Um, Of course, there's a shepherding aspect to that as well, a prayer aspect, a leadership aspect, but put simply, you are asked each Sunday to share the good news of Jesus, to share the gospel, and that's what you're tasked to do.
2: Amen, man. I think going along with that second part of, it's part of a pastor's task, and Jesus talks very clearly how teachers will be judged more severely, maybe not, maybe is a good word and they have more responsibility there's so there's definitely more, more accountability.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: To God. Absolutely. He's very he's very clear but I think he's actually pretty more blunt than I would be about it. He's like it, it'd be better for you to tie a, a millstone around your neck and jump into the sea than for you to lead someone astray. Mm. And boy, that is huge and that can be heavy and and so we, we, so I want to acknowledge the the good intentions, while also acknowledging there's a real mandate, and there are real things that Jesus asked for in his ch- in in church. Now I think it'd be great to just get into the details of it of what exactly do we see in Scripture where Jesus and God clearly describe what church should look like or the the points of church, and also we can hop into different parts of church like preaching or community or worship or things like that. What do you think Alex?
0: Yeah, I I want to say that this podcast is getting me excited to not only record but also share with people because we can share it with the older generation who uh, might be pastors, might be elders, mm. might be like foundational members of these age-old churches. Share it with them to encourage them or to point out where churches can be doing a little better in terms of being a biblical church. I know we're young, but if it's from the scripture, we have a pretty big mandate and a pretty big standing ground to be like, hey, this is what the church should look like. Uh, But it also can be shared with the younger folks, people from our generation, so they can number one, look for a church that looks like this. Or number two, if there's no church that looks like this in their area, get involved and make it look like that because we make the church. It's not someone in the um, in the rafters, kind of writing the the rules for how a church should be. Like the church is the body, the church is the people, uh, and so I'm excited to record this.
2: Awesome. Sorry to interrupt you right there with my the amen. But no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I think the the first one that I want to talk about uh, before we even get to anything that's programmatic, as in relating to a program that the church does, is what's even the mandate of the church, and that's. Very clearly, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus has resurrected. He's got all his disciples together. He's proven that he's literally, he's God, that he's conquered death. He's given them the gospel. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Very simply that's in a way that's it like mm-hmm. that that is what the church is supposed to be doing um i think at the core of this is discipleship in a church evangelism is even part of discipleship the the initial part of discipleship and so it's important that we that we want to be creating our churches that have a culture of of disciple making discipleship where we are pouring into people who have just come to know the lord and we're, we're teaching them the things that, that Jesus has asked us to teach them. And then we're teaching them how to teach other people those things. And we where we have a, a body of people that really loves to share that with each other and that really loves to make disciples. Uh, I think my generation is becoming less attracted to the consumer style of church. And we don't want to be in a church where we just go, and we let the professionals do the discipleship job, Scripture is very clear. Like, we're all supposed to be teaching. We're all supposed to be discipling each other. And so, uh, Emerson, I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on those things.
1: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree, 100%. And that's the first thing I look for when I go into a church is, first of all, yeah, is it a gospel preaching church? And then flowing from that, I think going to follow-up, right? I Okay, I know the gospel. I've accepted the gospel Who's going to guide me? Who's going to lead me? Like in Titus, who's the older man who's going to lead me now and how to live my life, and and as an example for me to follow, as well as as I learn, as I'm growing, who can I pass that knowledge down to? I think our generation, especially the you know us being young men, we enter a church and we want to know how can I get plugged in. How am I going to be taken in uh, under these shepherds so that I can learn from them, so they can grow me in my spiritual maturity? And then who can I pour out into? Those are the first things I I look for in in a church as I'm entering it. So totally agree. This is a very crucial point. And this is a big, I think,
0: um, arrow through the heart for those that might love the um, consumer mentality of church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I don't blame anyone for having that opinion or desire to not plug in, but to only go in and receive like a consumer, because I think that's what our culture teaches. And I do think in a certain way, that's what, I mean, depending on what church you grew up in, that's probably something that your church modeled because uh, it's really easy to get consumers in church. And like I said, like a lot of churches are motivated by the numbers and it's really easy to get people that may be not plug in. That's That's been my experience with mega churches, mm. nothing against them. A lot of them are super solid, but I mean, my family went for a long time. They had one small group. They had one small group of friends, and for like a year, it was great. And they were like meeting up with this group of friends, similarly aged, like same age kids, like they would study the word, and they had good, real friendship in this mega church with a small group, um, but person after person ended up moving, uh, moving to a different state moving to a different city where maybe they couldn't go to church all the time. And it turned into a situation where it was just easier for my family to like, just watch sermons online, just at home. And then what that turned into was, oh, we're like a couple weeks behind. Maybe we should just like, I need to do the dishes. I'll just, I just won't watch the sermon on Sunday. And then they stopped going to church. It was that slow detachment. And because they only were plugged into that small group, they had no one at the church calling them like, hey, it's been like four weeks. Did you move? Where are you? you need to get plugged in. And so, I don't blame anyone for having the consumer mentality. It's probably what you were taught,
1: but the Bible teaches differently. Yeah, yeah, and I really like that you mentioned those those mega churches, especially where there's a level of depth that's missing in some of them. I, I've come across churches that are so missional in their goals that they attract so many people, but those people come and go so fast, and they don't get plugged in, and they don't experience the discipleship that you mentioned, Austin. That is meant for them. You're meant to stay here and be and be discipled and be mentored by these people that are spiritually more mature by you than you. So get get plugged in find a spot ask your ask your elder if your church doesn't have that to personally disciple you so that you can get plugged in and stay plugged in and also you know should it come down to it be disciplined when you need it the the truth is church discipline exists for our good and for God's glory of course so that we would grow and, and grow closer to him
0: and i hope this isn't coming across like we are the pinnacle Christian who are like, we found a good church and we're di- we're getting discipled and we're going out and disciple making. Like, we are not the experts. We just want to be a funnel for what the Word says. I know for me, like, I really struggle with awkward social interaction. I hate it. It's a pet peeve. I'm like, don't you know how to talk? Why are you being weird right now? And newsflash, like, if you're getting plugged into a church, you are going to have so many awkward moments and so many, like, why do they say that? Why can't you just talk? What's going on? Maybe it's just my experience, but I don't think it is. And so I really struggle with it. I know a lot of people struggle with it. So our tone here, I really don't want it to come off like, come on, just like bootstrap yourself up and like get in a good church. Come on. It's a learning process. Um, but the word says what the word says. And we want to model what the church should look like, even for people that find it very difficult to be plugged into a really good church because sometimes it doesn't feel good all the time. And Satan wants it not to feel good all the time. Boom.
2: Boom, man. (laughs) True. All right. Wow. Coming in hot. And if I want a pastor to be encouraged listening to this or any minister of the church by the things that we're saying, I want them to hear that there are so many people in our generation who really want to be involved. They really want to help. They really want to be a meaningful, active, uh, blessed part of the body of Christ in your community. Like I actually walk into church praying, Jesus, I want you to meet me here and I want to experience you and I want to learn about you, but I also want to be a blessing to people and show me someone that I can encourage. Show me someone that I can just build up and make their day or pray for them or something like that. And there's actually a lot of people like that possibly in your church. And I hope that's really encouraging. Uh, That really leads to just the, the antithesis of a consumer mentality in church, but maybe a contributor mentality. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think of Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, talking about how the body is the body of Christ, or talking about the church as a body of Christ, each individual parts of the body working together to build each other up. Romans uh, 12, Romans 12, verse four, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Then in first Corinthians 14, verse 12, so with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And that's another thing that I think is, is really essential, especially in America where we can be individualistic and a little self-absorbed is our, our generation is in, so, in a lot of ways veering away from that. We, we want a, a community of people where we're all bringing our gift to each other and trying to be a, an addition and a, a blessing to each other.
0: Yeah, I think um, that reminds me of social media for some reason, because I think when we grow up in a culture that, I mean, by the time I was um, 12, I I could have access to Facebook. I know a lot of other kids had a lot more social media at that point. And I'm on like the older end of Gen Z. So the younger ones of Gen Z have literally grown up being photographed, taking photographs. I don't know why I'm saying photographs, but like (laughs) documenting their life and putting it on social media really creates this epidemic of attention, like it's an attention disorder. And it's so surface level, and it's so not deep. Um, And so, I think what people are dealing with with Gen Z is a generation that is both addicted to surface level and hates surface level at the same time. And so, Mm -hmm. I think something that churches should aim for specifically with with this generation is going deeper than surface level. Uh, And I think that it's probably going to be I don't know if it'll be easier or harder uh, to get Gen Z really plugged in. I personally think that Gen Z is looking for meaning. It's looking for those not surface level relationships and practices. So, I don't think that Gen Z is going to go to church unless they're invested because they're like, I mean, why do I go? It's so surface level. I hate surface level because I grew up with social media, blah, blah, blah. And so, I think the Gen Z people that go to your church, they're either going to leave really quickly or they're...
1: I hope, like wanting to really plug in. Yeah, you, you hit it on the dot there, Alex. Um, and, I've, you know, it's not just church too. Sometimes it's Bible studies. Sometimes it's just friend groups, right, where you're really missing that level of depth that all of us want. And if you're listening right now and you're attending those Bible studies or those churches that aren't deep enough or you haven't, you haven't had that heart-to-heart conversation with someone that could pour into you and you can pour into them, I want to encourage you. It starts with you. Really? Um, usually it's, it's it's in my Bible studies where – or men's Bible studies where I have to be the first one to say, hey, guys, I'm struggling with this. And then one by one we go around and find out it's every single one of us. It starts with you to, to create that atmosphere of depth um, that is desired in our generation. And I th- really think everyone wants that, really, mm-hmm. someone that you can pour your heart out to that will come alongside you and take you right back to the Father. Amen. I think now let's let's
2: move on to, I think, the primary maybe criterion for a lot of people, which is preaching. Mm. So I'll start off with, with with a few examples. So I've been to one church where the preaching uh, was very, very story-based, where the, the pastor would really share a, a ton of personal stories, a lot of practical examples, a lot of just analogies, and really would only read... Maybe a couple of verses of scripture, or would only camp out in scripture uh, a couple of times. And um, to that, I would just say, like, people want to hear—we uh, we, we want to hear the word. We actually love it when you have so much scripture in your sermon that we're like struggling to write down all the scripture references. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me so excited. Mm-hmm. I, I love to be able to say, "Oh my gosh." Look how he's tracing through all the the theme of the whole canon to build this theme of salvation in Christ, and or whatever you're you're preaching on. So I would just say don't be afraid to to preach the word there. And uh, another example that I'll just throw out is I've been to another church that was, that was very flashy and loved to do really creative things in sermons, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, but. This one church, I'll I'll give the the example without naming the church, but went there. Sunday morning, uh, I showed up, and it's completely dark. The whole auditorium is decked out like a movie theater, and there's popcorn that you can get. And so, I walk in, and I walk in a little bit late. I I slept in, and I walk in, and they're playing Aladdin, the live-action Aladdin movie, Sunday morning service. And I was so confused. I was like, wait, what's happening? We're watching Aladdin? <laughs> and I sit there for 20 minutes and we're just watching Aladdin. And I thought, oh, maybe this is kind of some sort of Sabbath thing where they're taking a break <laughs> from preaching. I don't know. And then um, uh, a clip of the pastor comes in where he's he's tying the story of Aladdin to parts of scripture. And, and then it started to make sense. I was like, okay, okay. Uh, I later learned by asking a couple of friends at the church that they were going through a series like that where they would pick a movie and then the pastor would – their amazing editing team would stitch together uh, the pastor uh, applying that to Scripture and saying, oh, you know how Aladdin took – I don't took Jasmine for a car- carpet ride. I can't even make it up. I'm sorry.
0: Um, <laughs> I don't blame you, Austin
2: <laughs> yeah where where it's like you're you're tying it and I have to be really honest, I did walk away angry from those those mornings because yeah. I really loved that church and I love that community and I even loved the pastor. I had heard him preach. So many sermons that were full of Scripture and full of just the fire of the Holy Spirit. He was so just on fire. He loved the Word, and he, lo- he wanted his church to know Jesus. Um, and I walked away from that movie series thinking, man, I, I, w- I want to go to a church that is so ingrained and in love with the Word, like Psalm 119, where he goes on forever about his love for the Word of God. Mm.
0: Yeah, I would get mad too. I would. And it's weird because I think even for like, maybe for like a life group or a small group, that's kind of a fun concept of like, hey, let's just like hang out, relax. Let's watch this movie that we all like. And then like talk. But even that, like even when I'm saying it, like let it be a movie night. If you're going to pursue leisure, if you're going to Sabbath, rest, you know, rest is so good. Don't pretend to get eternal wisdom from man's created Movies or like art, music. Uh, I oh my gosh, that's so silly. I I don't I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge, but I would definitely walk away like that too. And I think I completely agree with you. Like churches that preach the gospel, preach the word. They're my favorite. Last Sunday uh, at my church, the one I go to with Austin, like David, our pastor was preaching. Loved the sermon. My favorite part of the sermon was the verse that stuck out to me from the scripture he was using. And I read the scripture verse and I was like, that is so rich. That is so good. So when the preaching highlights the truth and loveliness of scripture, that is, that's what's going to draw in Christians because they love the word. They don't, I mean, they like movies too, but like our gasoline is the word of God. So if you're selling Kool-Aid, we're going to leave because we need to keep rolling. Hey, y'all. Hope you are enjoying the content. Quick thing. Uh, I am still hoping to give $100 away to a Roots listener. That is right. I am not completely broke, at least yet. Uh, all you have to do is leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Snag a screenshot of that review. DM it to me here on Instagram at roots.pod. Again, that's roots.pod. Uh, once I receive 100 submissions, I will raffle off $100 to one lucky reviewer. Okay, that's all. Please do it. Get some cash, help the show, all the good stuff. Back to the show. Thanks.
1: This is actually a hilarious example that you bring up with Aladdin there. It's funny. Our generation actually start, has started to make fun of this. I don't know if you guys have seen the, like, TikToks or Instagram reels about the youth pastor, right, who's always trying to relate something yeah. to scripture, right? You guys know about the corn kid? Like, the yes. kid that's like, it's corn, I, dude, right? I saw yeah, that okay, video. I know yeah, yeah, what you're talking it's about. It's hilarious, right? So some guy spoofed it. Like, the youth, what the youth pastor then says is like, that kid said, ever since I heard about corn, that it existed, I, I, my life was changed. He's like, and that's just like Jesus. <laughs> <You> know, <or laughs> the Corn has the juice. No, God's word has the truth. You know, oh. it's like, <laughs> and, is there something that dies inside of me, right? When it's like, I, I yeah, but those ties are so weak. Um, and, and yeah, we want we want the meat of God's word. We want to hear Scripture. Um, and I'm sure you're going to bring this up, Austin, um, about expository preaching and just the 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 value in that walking through a passage, telling me exactly what that author was trying to say and what God is saying through that passage first to his people, and then how does that apply to me? I think there's so much value in that method, Um, as well as I want to say something my pastor told me when I was preparing sermons is, does your message bleed? And what he meant by that was, do you see Christ crucified in your message? Do you see the gospel? So much so that if somebody just walked in and they didn't know Jesus, they could experience him and they could come to faith in him right then. So, yeah, that, that's what I got. <laughs> that's Amen, so good.
2: man. And does
1: your sermon bleed? Yeah. That's so does your good. I life? That.
0: I'm, that's, I'm not a preacher, but like that's a good thing to just take in your life. Like does your life bleed? Like are you showing it in how you live and how you love? Mm, that's That's awesome. too good.
2: I, there's just been this phrase in my mind. I don't know where, where it even came from. Hopefully, I think it's the Lord. But I've just been thinking, preach sermons worth singing. Preach the word in such a way where you're just bringing the beauty of it to the forefront, where you're like, this is beautiful, and I really believe it's beautiful. And look at it. Look how amazing this truth is. Look at Jesus. He's real. And preaching it with such conviction and authenticity and not maybe not worried about whether or not people are entertained the whole time. That's really my main encouragement for this point is... Man, pastors, we want it like we want that expository preaching. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of friends who I've talked to was like, oh, why are you looking for new churches? They're like, they, and then they'll say, oh, you know, I just want somewhere that just preaches the word
0: more. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I can say the same thing.
2: That I can I, can't, thing. I have to say I've probably heard that a hundred more uh, hundreds of times. Wow. And I I actually am okay with you know with topical preaching. I think that can be done really really well, but. I really long for a church that the steady diet of, of Sunday morning preaching is expository preaching, is going through a book of the Bible together, where you're teaching me the Word while teaching me how to, how to read the Word, how to read Scripture. So, I just want to say, man, preach those heartfelt, Spirit-filled, Scripture-rich, Christ-centered, God-glorifying sermons that you in your heart, want to preach. I know that just has to burn in you as a pastor. You want to preach these things and then you're kind of pulled away of maybe by, oh, well, if you don't follow
0: this outline, then you're going to lose numbers or Mm -hmm. this thing. If you don't tell a story at the beginning, they're not going to be dialed in. I know.
2: I know. And man, it just breaks my heart that preachers may be believing
0: that. And I just want you to know, go for it, man. We want that. I also want to say like, I do appreciate a well-timed story or a well-timed metaphor. You don't have to just, you know, put on uh, the Bible gateway audio, you know, Max reading the scripture to you. Like, we want it to be explained to us. But the point is, is the primary thing needs to be the word. What is the word saying? Can you make it make sense for me? Uh, And if you can, that is a successful sermon. If you can't, even if it's super funny and entertaining, like, if I want to see a comedy show, I'm going to go to a comedy show. And because of streaming, because of the internet, we can get whatever we want at any time. And the one thing that we need in a brick and mortar church is a faithful preacher, a faithful body that yearns for the word, that loves the word. Uh, and if we don't get the preaching there, we can get it anywhere else. So that's not like a thread, but it is like a, don't try and keep us here because we can go anywhere we want. Just like be faithful to the word. Uh, and I think you're going to get the right congregants.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm actually going through a book right now in my church residency program called Christ-Centered Preaching by uh, Chappelle or Chapel. Such Dave Chappelle wrote Dave us. Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so it, if you're a pastor, I, I, I'm loving this book and I highly recommend it because it goes through all of this and also talks about the relevance, right? You know your congregation. What does your congregation need to hear? What are the truths of scripture that are current, that are currently needed among your people right maybe there's a an event a world event going on and maybe that's an appropriate time to have a topical message right if you know there's a hurricane in florida and you're Church has just been just washed away by this hurricane. It's like, uh, am I going to really avoid that yeah, topic? <laughs> you know, you, there, there's a need to talk about how, do you, how you suffer as a Christian or how you come together in love and unity as a Christian, right? So the timing of it is important. Knowing your congregation is important. I love that you mentioned metaphors, Alex. Making sure metaphors add to what is going on there, that they're very intentionally placed um, so as not to detract from the truth of Scripture, but rather to add meaning and and relatability to what you're talking about and really what God is saying in His Word.
2: Amen. That's so good. So, let's move on to the the next point. The next thing that I hear people talk about when they're church shopping or whatever is how's the worship? What's the worship like? And I personally, just to share a, a little bit of my own personal story is: I grew up going to Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and they have the Passion Band. I don't. You can look up their music on Spotify and Apple Music, YouTube. They have the Passion conferences. Crazy talented musicians. I mean, they are. Uh, they're they're amazing. They're writing they're writing songs. They're making records uh, of music of Christian music that is really uh, a lot of it is or actually I would say most of it is awesome and so good and really uplifting. But it breaks my heart when I hear churches talk, or maybe pastors talk about like, oh man, like our, our worship is just not as good as passions. And I just want to say from growing up in that environment, I really did. I loved it. Like it was really fun and it was, it was amazing. Um, But what draws me into worship what draws me into the presence of God to to gaze upon his beauty in his temple to fix my thoughts on him and to and to glorify him and to praise him is not is not all the flashy stuff it's not the big stage the lights the killer band the really talented musicians the past couple of years for my birthday i've started doing worship nights for my birthday and it's literally, it is the most bare bones thing. And I, I mean, I like to think that I can sing, but if you heard me sing, I'm sure you'd have a different opinion. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we just, the first one, I literally played guitar and I just led and we, and we just sang and we sang to Jesus. And it was a rich time. And I, I had that at, at church on Sunday too. Like our, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not calling our team bad or anything. But what pulled me into worship, into a a heart of worship towards the Lord, wasn't that they were how talented they were. It was how they got up there and they just sang to Jesus mm-hmm. and they poured out their hearts to the Lord in prayer, like Mary poured out the the oil on His feet. And uh, I think one of my favorite, famous. I guess uh, worship musicians is is Phil Wickham. And I think one of my favorite things that he does is he just gets his he does these acoustic concerts and he or sing alongs, I think he calls them. And he just gets up there with his with his acoustic guitar and he sings and he pours out his heart to the Lord like fully, just with as much passion and energy as he as he possibly can. And just seeing someone on stage worshiping God with such a joy in their heart, where maybe they they even, like can't sing because they're crying because of how much mm. they love Jesus. That pulls me in.
0: Yeah, I I'm thinking of two things right now. First of all, while you were talking, I was thinking about Jesus and how there was nothing external to him that made him attractive. It was just him. as the there was really like like you were talking about like the flashy parts of worship and like the smoke, the mirrors, the lasers, the the ta- even like the talented musicians like. In the person of Jesus, that's not what drew Christians to Jesus. It was the heart of Jesus, the person of Jesus. And so, first of all, I was thinking about that and thinking about how if we want to model worship after Jesus, that's almost like, I mean, don't make your worship bad, but like let the heart be the first thing and then the technical excellence come from that. So, that's the first thing I was thinking of. second thing I was thinking of is there is a call to technical excellence in not only worship, but everything. Like when you read in the Old Testament about the tabernacle and the the skilled workers and the skilled artists and craftsmen that yeah. gave glory to God by making a beautiful, what America might call a product, but it wasn't a product for man's consumption. It was a kind gift from God to be in a beautiful place, to see a beautiful thing, but really it was just magnifying God because God is beautiful and God is artistic and God looks way more pretty than the artistic design. So, uh, I think starting at the heart of having the heart of Jesus at the the center of your worship team, but then, yes, do pursue technical excellence because it does take me out of worship as a a music man. I went to music uh, school. When I hear worship teams that do little mistakes that they didn't have to make if they applied themselves a little bit, it takes me out. And not that it's all about me, but it does take me out. So, just an encouragement to you guys, if you're in a church that you love, but the worship isn't what you might like, uh, first of all, remember, it's not about the experience. It's about the heart, and you can really glorify God by worshiping genuinely at a church that has a bad worship team That might even be more glorifying than enjoying worship with a good worship team. But secondly, really take some time to just be alone in your car and just look up like one of my favorite YouTube channels is this guy that just plays piano um, covers of hymns and he puts the subtitles of the hymns in the closed captions. So he plays the accompaniment to the hymn and you get to sing it. And I love that. And I can just get alone with God and I don't do it as much as I should. Um, but in the moments when I'm really feeling the lack of like, man, my, my worship tank just isn't full this week. I can take that time to be with Jesus and like pursue worship, uh, just with him with a little YouTube video with some music and just pour out my heart to Jesus. Cause that's what's important. Not having this super flashy laser smoke, uh, worship team that just draws people in.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you gotta ask yourself, why am I here? Right? And worship yeah. isn't confined only to the singing, obviously. Uh, the whole act is an act of worship to God. Um, but there's an element of that singing and that communal just encouragement of lifting up our voices to God that enhances the message, right? I love it when... they they tie together when you sing a song and then the message is right about that song, or then you have the, you have the message and then you follow up that message with an opportunity to praise God for the truth. You just heard there's an opportunity there to just really enhance what the Lord is doing and what he's saying in his word with the singing, with the instruments.
2: Mm -hmm. That's great. And I, I love that you brought up that point of, of of responding with worship. Uh, One of my favorite things about the church that I go to is that, They put most of their worship songs on the back end after the sermon exactly for that reason, because our response to the revelation of the Word of God should be praise and worship. Love that. And so that's been a a blessing. Don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time. We've got one more point. And in summary, it is obsession with Jesus. Like Jesus is the main thing. Uh, So I I want to read uh, Ephesians 4, verses... 11 through 16, and I think this is where Paul is really giving a almost a vision statement for the church. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Like we talked about, we're all being contributors. joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, I love this part that it says, growing up to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mm. So the whole point of the church is that we're every part, of the body that God has ordained in the church is working together and coming together and and contributing to each other to build each other up in love so that we would, what? Get to Jesus, like filled up to the very measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love how he puts those two measurement words together to kind of say to the exact fullness, the exact filled all the way up to the brim of Jesus so that the body of Christ is filled completely with the life and the love of Jesus. Really, like I just want a church that loves Jesus more than their theological position or like more than their, their missiology, more than their numbers, more than their worship— When we get together, it's about how do we get more of Jesus? How are we rooted to Jesus more? How do we share Jesus with more people? How do we go deeper with Jesus together? And so just Jesus obsessed is Mm -hmm. my go-to phrase for that.
1: Yes, and amen, Austin. It's all about Jesus. And one of the cool parts of that passage you just read was the unity that comes in that. And like you said, you look past the theological differences. There are people in my church that have differing views on certain topics about God's sovereignty or or are the gifts. These are very divisive topics in and of themselves. But if you have that heart for Christ, that genuine, unity in Jesus Christ, then it will show and it will show in the way you love one another and the way you pour into each other. And there's something so attractive Mm. in that. Spurgeon has a quote that he says, he says, no Christ in your sermon, sir, then go home until you found something worth preaching about. And that has just stuck in my head ever since I heard it.
0: Yeah, anything, any reality other than Christ is either going to be crushing or just empty in the end. And so, any church that does not have a centrality of Christ and just an obsession and a passion for Christ, it's either going to be really legalistic and crushing. Uh, I, think of the, I think of the Mormon church, uh, where they inside are just crushed by the, the legal demands of their system because Christ's work has not been applied fully to them uh, and how they're just miserable on the inside uh, in a lot of cases, or on the other side, it's going to be empty where maybe Christ is not preached enough where you don't have the conviction of sin and you don't want to please God by living rightly, then your life is going to be empty because you're only living for yourself. So, it's like without Christ as the center, we're going to fall in either pit. We're either going to be just super legalistic and crushed or super lawless and also super crushed in a different way. And so, couldn't agree more with your final point, Austin. Uh, do either of you have any more points before I wrap us up and go eat some pizza?
1: Hey, I, I last thing, just to add on to what we were just talking about, like as a preacher, you have an opportunity to give this healing balm of Christ to a congregation that has been hurting throughout the week, whether it's through personal sin or somebody, some attacks from the culture and the sin that is just just there at every turn, you have an opportunity to apply the healing balm of the gospel Mm. and uh, to really apply the restorative power of the gospel in their lives. You get to do that. And it's such an honor and a blessing to do that, to give them Jesus, to show them the joy that you have. Like you mentioned, Austin, you get to see it through your personal study, and then you get to go and share that with your congregation that so desperately needs it in a way that they can find it for themselves and in a way that they can experience it in their lives as well.
2: Yeah, I love that, and that reminds me so much of this passage in Ezekiel 34, where the Lord is is giving kind of a, re, a rebuke to Israel's shepherds, and He says should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones. And he, he goes on he's, he's basically says a shepherd is supposed to, is supposed to feed them, to clothe them, to bind up their wounds, to help them heal. And then he says, then I will be their shepherd. I just love that picture. Uh, so we really just want churches where we will be fed Jesus. Where we, we will be met with the healing that Jesus is for our souls and that's really my my final word and encouragement to to you guys. If you're involved in any ministry or if you're looking for a church, like we we really do want a church that is Christ centered, that loves the Word, uh, and that is is trying to bring the
0: gospel to to all nations. Yeah, and yeah. Final encouragement for me: God is sovereign. Amen and amen. amen. He is the true shepherd of His church. And in situations where churches may not be oriented rightly, He will maneuver His flock, His people to find Him rightly. Uh, And that's not an excuse for us to sit on our heels and not contribute as I hope this podcast has encouraged you to do. Um, But just know like God really is in control and those that will come to Him will come to Him. And those that He cares about, He will discipline and He will help them spiritually form. And so, I hope this was informative for you guys, for pastors, for congregants, for uh, even anyone listening to this podcast. Hope it was hope it was uh, informative and interesting. Uh, but more than anything, we do this podcast so that you can put down the podcast and go encounter God, encounter God in his word, encounter God in your local church. Uh, I really hope that um, you heard our love for the body of Christ. And we hope that that love that we have, has been expressed through these microphones, through your smartphone, through your laptop, however you're listening, that you might love the church as well and contribute where you can. Uh, But seriously, love you guys. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Again, this is The Roots Podcast. My name is Alex. I'm here with Austin and Emerson. We are going to end this podcast and go eat some pizza and then record another episode. But seriously, so grateful for you guys. And we will see you here next time. See you later. See ya.